everyone agrees, bacon makes everything better. Even marketing. This is the Bacon Podcast, where you'll learn to cure your marketing. And make your business. I can't believe I said that. Internet marketing. Online marketing. Social media tips and techniques. Now, to help you bring more bacon home, the master of marketing sizzle, Brian Basilico. This is the Bacon Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am uber excited. I have a master, a man, a myth. He is a legend. There's no question about it because his name is David Garfinkel. If you want to learn more about David, go back and listen to episodes 235 and 237. He provided so much bacon. We had to split it into two episodes, man. So, David, how are you doing today? Hey, good, Brian. It's good to see you again. Oh, it's great to have you back on. It's been way too long. And, you know, you are just one of my heroes. I actually, I, I love your stuff. I discovered you through a book, one of my friends, a copywriter friend, because I'm Captain Typo. You know that. You know, I, I suck at writing. But he says, you've got to get this book by David Garfinkel. And it was... Um, it's advertising headlines that make you rich. Thank you. And uh, so that's one book that I got, and I started reading through that, and I went, wow, this is fabulous. I, and then then you have another book, which is Breakthrough Copywriting, which is uh, your most recent thing that you've been promoting. And then I am a avid listener of the Copywriters Podcast. As a matter of fact, you've inspired me so many different ways with a lot of your thinking, the way you do your podcast, your guests. I mean, you talked about the seven deadly sins. I just did a podcast on the seven deadly sins. From a marketing standpoint, you talked about it from a writing standpoint. So, um, you know, you inspire me. You do a lot of great stuff. And you're just damn fun to talk to. <laughs> so <laughs> so you wanted to, uh, you wanted to kind of start off with a little quippy story. Go ahead and dive into that a little bit. Well, sure. I've always liked telephones. Okay, call me weird. I mean, you know, back in the old rotary phone days. And when I was a kid, I got really upset because, you know, in um, Los Angeles, they had Television City. And in New York, they had Radio City. But there was no Telephone City. And it wasn't until I got much older that I found out that in the Philippines, either they did or they do have a city called Telephone City. But wait, there's more. You know, I got this wonderful coffee mug, mm -hmm. um, Bacon Podcast coffee mug from you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And only today I learned that in Philippines, there was a city called Bacon. I will have to visit there. I wonder if they make bacon there. That's a good question. But Bacon recently merged with another city or or province or principality or something. So it, it, it's in the past, you know, it's like there's a city now formerly known as Bacon. Formerly known as Bacon. So it has a symbol instead of a name. Is that the point? That's the idea. Gotcha. Well, speaking of the past, um, I was at church and we we're just kind of, you know, talking. I play guitar at church and stuff like that. And yesterday when I was there, we were talking and one of the guys brings up Hey, do you remember Romper Room? And I'm like, yeah, I remember Romper Room. And, you know, some of the people who are younger in there is like, 
Woods Romper Room. So for those of you who don't remember Romper Room, it was a kids' TV show. It was in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and it had a Miss something. It could be, so you had Miss Nancy. We had Miss Nancy in the D.C. metro area. Yeah, and we had Miss Mary in the New York area, if I remember correctly. And they did all these, it was an educational, you know, kind of like we have today, but it was live. I mean, they didn't have... You know, the recordings way back yonder. Then, of course, it went to tape and things like that. But one of the things that I remembered was Miss Mary or Miss Nancy. She would hold up this thing called the magic mirror. Now, for you guys who have to visualize this thing, it's one of those handheld mirrors. But the mirror was cut out. So basically, it was just the shell, the plastic shell. And she holds it up at the end of the show. And she says, I see Kathleen. I see Owen. And Julie, and Jimmy, and Kelly, and Tommy, and Bobby, and you go through all these names, and you were just sitting there, just waiting for that Dakota ring for your name to pop up, hoping that you would be recognized and she could see you through the magic mirror. Um, it was just one of the coolest concepts, and it sparked me. And I start thinking, you know, I'm talking to David, and he happens to be a copywriting expert. So today I wanted to talk about how do we. Get people that excited, that they want to hear their own voice, that the messages are speaking to them. So what are the concepts that we can use to get people to really feel like we're talking to them, at them, where they get as excited as those little kids to hear their name on TV in the 60s? Yeah, that's a great question. And the first answer is everyone is still waiting for their name to be called through the magic mirror, whether they saw a romper room or not. Um, one of the first questions that comes up in a person's mind when they are taking in your marketing message, um, whether they're conscious of this question or not, is the question, is this for me? Mm -hmm. Is it about me? Does this have anything to do with me? Will this work for me? You know, all of those things. Does this fit me? So, um, that's just a, a broad concept, but let's narrow it to some specific things. The first thing is there is an old copywriter who sold lots of stuff. The thing I like most that he sold was rotten raincoats, rotten Macintoshes. And he came up with a letter and he sold out some damaged raincoats with this just brilliant, these Macs, these Macintoshes are rotten, um, named Robert Collier. And Robert Collier came up with the phrase that I think may be the most famous phrase in all of copywriting, which is enter the conversation already going on in your prospect's mind. Hmm. Now, that's profound because most people don't realize other people have a conversation already going on in their mind, but they do, we do, I do, we all do at all times. And secondly, most people, when they are marketing, selling, writing, they're so busy trying to get a word in edgewise before the other person starts talking that they're not thinking a whole hell of a lot about how to craft, how to focus their message on what that person is thinking about. Can you give an example of what that kind of conversation would be? What are people talking to themselves about? Well, I know what you're talking to yourself about, bacon. Mm -hmm. But let's, um, sure, so let's, let's give a, a less personal 
um, more instructive example, perhaps. So um, somebody has a little store on Shopify. And uh, I don't know, maybe they're <clears throat> selling some kind of cosmetics or, um, you know, self-care um, product. And so the conversation going on in their mind, it's usually the words that hit them consciously right when they wake up or right before they go to sleep. And those words might be, how are we going to get more sales today? Or they might be, how can we reduce the cost of our advertising compared to the number of sales we get? Or they might be, what can I do with pictures on Shopify to make more women buy these cosmetics? These are actual questions people have. Will they admit it? Not, if they, not to you if they think it'll make them vulnerable, do they have those conversations with their friends, with their team? You bet they do when they don't, when they don't feel they'll put them at a disadvantage. So that, that's a perfect example. I love that. So how do we jump into that conversation? What are some of the key triggers from writing persuasive content or writing a way that's going to make them feel like, hey, you're talking to me through the magic mirror? Okay, great question. So... Most people think that, you know, people who don't do this a lot, don't have a lot of experience with it, think that writing comes from either some divine inspiration or from some magical black box called creativity inside the writer's mind. But the best copy doesn't. It comes from the outside. The mind is just a processor. It's a way station. It's a factory. Um, you enter the conversation by finding out what kind of conversations they have. Now, the best way to do that, um, shocker, shocker alert, is you actually have conversations with these people. You talk to them and you engage them enough and get them relaxed enough so that they will tell you what's going on in their mind. And I have to say that you made every listener who's an introvert on this podcast go take a Xanax. Right. So maybe take half a Xanax so you can stay awake while you have the conversation. Um, but listen, if you want the people to give you their money, you might want to give them a little bit of your attention, even if that's not your favorite thing to do. But there are other ways besides having conversations with them. For example, um, you can look at what they say in comments, um, in reviews on Amazon, in groups in Facebook. Um, you can, if you have a business, you can look at customer service questions. If you have a larger business, if you have a smaller business, you can look at the emails that you get where people have questions, comments, compliments. But so that's the first thing. You have to find out what that conversation is and offer them a solution or some hope or maybe a warning or maybe just some understanding, some significance. What, you know, uh, you're, you're wondering these things. Well, here's what it really means. So that, that's like one thing. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Another thing is find out what their values are. You know, I was bringing up Russell Brunson, who I think 
does a great idea of that has a great is a great has a great idea of people's values and gives a great message in his marketing for ClickFunnels. Right now, on the surface, ClickFunnels is simply about a way for that woman on Shopify to get more sales, right? But he goes deeper. He understands the values of an entrepreneur, a business owner, a creative person who's created their own business. They want freedom. They want lifestyle. They may want legacy. They may want to have more time with their family. And if you look at, for example, his sales letter for uh, One Funnel Away, which is a 30-day challenge, he's talking about that a lot more than the money. Of course, if you have a good funnel, eventually you can make a lot of money. You can eventually make you know, seven figures a year with the right funnel, the right product, the right audience, and the right implementation, and a little bit of luck. So um, speaking to those values, boy, that that's the magic mirror. Because when you speak to someone's values, you know, they go, yeah, that's right, at a conscious level. But at a more feeling or unconscious level, they'll go, that person really gets it. or they're like me, or we're in the same tribe. So values would be number two. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russell calls it, I love this term, he talks about culture. You know, he talks about, you know, it's creating a cult, but it's creating a culture. It's his, He calls it a congregation, too. You know, it, it's feeling like you're part of that. One of the guys I, I just interviewed for an upcoming podcast um, he has a, a group with 3,000 people, and the way that he was able to attract those people was basically speak to them as if he was speaking to himself. And the same problems that he has, he figured out that other people have those problems, so he basically was having a conversation with himself and started putting it into a Facebook group, and people were saying, wait a minute, that's me in that magic mirror, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that is is being honest with yourself and, you know, not buying into your own cover story, but talking about what's, what's really going on. And it sounds like this guy has really mastered the art of doing that. Absolutely. So what, uh, what's another tip that you could offer in this case of getting people to feel like you're talking to them through the magic mirror? You know, it's, it's familiar references. Perry Marshall talks about this a lot in terms of using specific words and phrases that people in a group use. Um, let, let, okay, um, so let's... Uh, I'll give you an example since we're both guitarists. And there are certain words that if you use them in, in a reasonably authentic sounding way, um, a guitarist would feel comfortable. You could talk about shredding. You could talk about string buzz. You could talk about power chords. You could, um, um, I don't know, uh, talk about, uh, I don't know, people talk about strap burn. I really don't Mm -hmm. know if they talk about that, right? So use those phrases in the person's, and and again, it, it, all of these things are examples is the same thing. Is this person part of my world? Do they understand me? Are they, are they one of them or are they one of us? Well, so many people, you know, in kind of looking at this too, there's, there's so many different pers- 
persuasion ways that people try. In other words, I want to become an influencer. You know, it, it's like I need to be the leader of the culture, that kind of stuff. And, and we're coming at it more of an inclusive way of looking at things, right? That's right. You know, if people feel like you're um, going for higher status than them and, you know, trying to make them the little people, like if that is your initial goal, uh, there are some people who will follow you, but there are a lot more people who will be, be repelled. However, if you feel like you're trying to include them and you're trying to be a leader by showing them some things you've discovered or things you've invented or ideas you've developed that will help them because they've helped you and maybe they've helped others, that's an entirely different dynamic. And I think that will include a lot more people and people will respond better to that. So one of the challenges for us, quote unquote, non-writers um, is we tend to put way too much information into things. We want to, we basically want to do, you know, this brain dump. It, it, it's, you know, digital diarrhea. I mean, we just let it all out on the page and we try to put it there. And, and one of the, uh, I do this quote of the day and the one yesterday was artists paint on a canvas and musicians paint in silence. One of the things I've learned from you is it's more about less in other words, you could say the same things with less words. Instead of saying, um, you know, the boy, um, the ball was hit by the boy to the outside or to the outfield, you could say, uh, that boy hit the ball to the outfield. I mean, you can use less words, you can use more visual um, things. So, how do people get into the mindset of thinking in ways where less is more? Well, it's a good question, and for many people, it's it's a long process, but the best shortcut I can give you is there was a book um, written by Joe Carbo. I guess it was in the late 70s, maybe the late 80s, I think it was the late 70s, called The Lazy Man's Way to Riches, and he had a very famous ad that he used to sell it. And in the book itself, he had this one concept, which... I love. It's called the RCA principle. So, Brian, you and I are old enough to remember RCA. I don't know yeah. if they're around anymore, um, but RCA for many decades in America was known as, you know, was synonymous with radio, Radio right. of America. And so he built it based on that idea. He said, the RCA principle with writing is you build the best radio you can and then you keep taking parts out of it until it stops working. Hmm. And then you put that last part in. So it's the same idea. Yeah. Just um, spew out everything you need to spew out. But then after it's all out there on the paper, say, okay, what am I trying to accomplish here? I'm trying to get a person from, this conversation in their mind to this action I want them to take and what's the fewest number of these good pieces I have that I can use to get them there. And that's how you do it. So you've written copy. Um, I can't remember the specific number, but I think you wrote a $4 million sales letter. Is that correct? 
Well, you're off by one order of magnitude. It's 40. 40. Okay, I was close. Well, either way, once you hit, once you hit millions, it's like, okay, 44, whatever. Um, but the key thing is, is that in that, was there a piece of, of this magic mirror principle where somebody felt like, you know, it spoke to them, it gave them uh, a sense of empathy, and it made them want to act? What was the, the secret sauce that was in there in that sense? Well, yes, uh, great question, and there was. The, the secret sauce was a, a feeling of empathy, and empathy for a group that doesn't get much empathy. So the target audience was entrepreneurs who had recently um, hit a home run and were doing really, really well, and we had a pretty clever way of identifying them. And so they, their business was growing, and the problem for people like that, what do you think the biggest problem is? Let me just put you on the spot for a sec. The biggest problem, I think, is like, okay, what's next? Or am I going to fail the next time? Or they're, they're trying to hold on to something. I, I think you're right. But internally, do you have any idea emotionally what the biggest problem is? It's okay if you don't. Nothing comes to mind. Uh, nothing comes to mind. Okay. The problem is nobody understands them. Nobody cares about them. Everyone's gunning for them. So let's let's go through the list. Sure. Uh, their employees think that they're, you know, uh, heartless pigs. Their investors think that they're cows that need to be milked more, um, as does the government, the tax authorities. The banks think that they're actually um, uh, dirt bags that are, you know, going to go back to where they came from. Um, their family thinks that, well, you owe me that money that you're making because... I'm related to you. In other words, nobody is really in their corner, right? That's how they feel. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you know, the, if you're not there, you think, well, hey, I mean, you're making all this money. You, you have this nice car. You have this great company. What kind of problems could you be having? But if, if you don't feel supported, that's a problem. So what we did is we said, look, you, the... And, and the company was a, a travel agency. They said, look, we know that you work too hard and haven't had time for a vacation. And so what we'd like to do is give you a first-class vacation, a champagne vacation on a beer budget cost. And, um, there, and there was a lot in there. But said so the reason we're doing this is this is our way of introducing what we do as a business-to-business -business travel agency. And you can take us up on the vacation and you can enjoy all of it for pennies on the dollar. And then if you don't want to work with us, that's okay. But we think that once you know what we're like, you'll hire us. Okay. Mm -hmm. The funny thing was nobody took them up and everyone took a meeting. Nobody took them up on the vacation and they got $40 million worth of business over the course of eight years. It was really like $5 million, eight, eight million, $5 million a year for eight years, I think, something like mm -hmm. that. Wow. So, so the bottom line is that empathy factor. They, again, that magic mirror going back to that is they felt understood and they felt like somebody was looking out for them, somebody was in their corner, and somebody was actually feeling empathy towards their situation, I think is probably the biggest thing. Right. In a world where nobody else was, mm -hmm. where nobody else, I mean, 
you know, who, who feels sorry for a rich, powerful person, right? Right. Besides the therapist who's being paid to feel sorry for <laughs> Yeah. No, that's, it, it's very true. But still, I mean, rich, powerful people, you know, you, you get down to the basics, the brass tacks. And we, we tend to get some micro, um, uh, micro thought processes like, okay, what's the avatar? What, what are they thinking? What are they doing? When in reality, um, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. We all bleed red. And we all have the same kind of things, whether you're homeless to a billionaire. You know, there's not a whole lot of difference. The emotions that we feel, we're all human, we're all the same. Right, you have different problems, but you have the same feelings. And that's the key thing, I think, that we can take out of this, that magic mirror tapped into the feelings of every single one of those kids. No matter where they were, no matter who they were, they could be black, they could be white, they could be Jewish, they could be Spanish, they could be anything. It didn't, it did not put anything, any filters on top of that hole in the mirror. It let everybody feel like they mattered. That, that says it. You're absolutely right. See, this is fabulous. And I think you've done a great job of kind of getting inside of the head of people with this. And so I, I think to summarize a little bit, I, the first thing you've got to do is get in the conversation of their head. You know, what are they saying to themselves first? If you can figure that out, and you can do that by answering questions. And then the second point that you brought up was what? Summarize Value. that. Yeah, so values. What are their values? And, you know, I've gone through that. It's funny. I have a business coach. And when I first took a, she has a value test, which is incredible. It is, you have a list of about 60 to 70 values. And you have to go through the list and narrow it down to 20. And then you've got to go through and narrow it down to 15. And then from those 15, you've got to narrow it down to 10. And then you have to put them in order of importance. It is hard. The funny thing is, three years ago when I started with her, I took the test. A couple of months ago, I took the test again, and I was amazed at how much my values had shifted over time. And I, I think that's one of the things is like, not everybody's values are written in stone. Things change. So you have to constantly be aware of that and get the pulse of where people are now, right? That's right. Yep. So, hey, David, man, this has been fantastic. I mean, great, great ways for people to kind of figure out how to either write their messages or like I do, I mean, I hire copywriters to do this stuff. I can, I can speak it in, but I like somebody who knows what they're doing, wordsmiths who can polish things. And um, so, you know, there, I think one of the things that people should do first and foremost is go check out your podcast. And, and if you can, start from the beginning, because I mean, you know, we want to listen to the latest and greatest stuff, but you have so much good foundational stuff. I mean, that first year when you started it was when I was just soaking in all this great info. So if people want to follow the podcast, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, it's very easy. You can go to copywriterspodcast.com. Um, you can go to iTunes, Stitcher. Um, if you want to get a little nudge each week, uh, you know, get an email to remind you there's a new, hey, hey, there's a new episode, then you can go to garfinkelcoaching.com forward slash podcast, and there's a notification list, and I give you a little bonus when you sign up, too. Yep. 
And if people follow you on Facebook, you also post the videos, kind of video teasers on there, right? Right. If, if you if you you can follow, um, what is it, uh, David Garfinkel, copywriting coach, or you can friend me. I still have a few friend slots left, and just as David Garfinkel. And yeah, every Monday we'll put up a um, a short video and a long video. I don't know if I should commit to this forever, but that's what I'm doing now. No, that's great. And and the biggest thing is whether you're a copywriter. If you're a copywriter, bottom line, follow David. There is no question about it. If you're not a copywriter, follow David so you can get into the mindset of how to work with a copywriter. Because that, to me, has been the most value. Is I realize my skill set, I know my strengths and my weaknesses, but I still need to be able to speak the love language and understand what it is that you do, you know, the mastery behind what you do so I can work with people to kind of get the best out of them. So that's that's the value that you brought to my life, and I thank you for that. Well, thanks for telling me. Yeah. No problem. So yeah, and uh, and finally, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps like you did last time, and I so look forward to having you back on again to talk about another cool topic, dude. Well then, let's do it in a year or so. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, that's it for today's Bacon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something today. If you did, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback and comments. If you have any questions, go to www.baconpodcast.com forward slash questions, and we'll make sure we get those answered for you. Till next time, keep sizzling.